0: Section 7 of The Spell of the Hawaiian Islands and the Philippines by Isabel Anderson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by William Tomko. The Spell of the Hawaiian Islands and the Philippines by Isabel Anderson. Section 7. Chapter 5. In and Out. Honolulu itself the traveler may perhaps be able to see in a day, with American rush, while the steamer stops on the way to Japan. To take trips on Oahu, go surf-riding, indulge in a luau, visit the plantations, and make an excursion to the volcanoes in the other islands, you must stay at least a few weeks, so that you may really see it all and have time to dream of its wonderful beauties. Honolulu is the oldest, and so by far the most attractive, town in the islands besides visits to waikiki the pali and punch bowl there are many delightful excursions on the island of oahu the trail and mountain club has made excellent paths to the mountain tops where you can get superb views the lovely falls of kaliuwaa are especially celebrated while a trip to hauula is pleasant the coral gardens are entrancing and near these one can see the largest wireless station in the islands in the great pineapple district wahiawa there is a good hotel and fine bass fishing and not far away is a big military camp to-day the excursion to the other islands is made fairly comfortable on the steamers of the inter-island navigation company and one can motor to the very brink of kalauea by the time of our first visit the journey was something to be endured for the sake of the wonders at the end the story has been often told by travellers yet it may be worth while to recount our own experiences the trip certainly could not be recommended for pleasure in those days the tiny boat was loaded down with pigs and cattle and sickly smelling sugar the crossings were far worse than the english channel and our wretched little steamer reeled before the winds and tossed upon the waves to add To our discomfort, the boat was by no means swift, and hours were consumed between the innumerable small landing places. When we had the pleasure of stepping on solid earth once more, we found very poor hotels, if you could call them by that name. And, finally, we were disappointed in the volcano itself, which was not active enough to suit us. At our departure from Honolulu, we were quite covered with lays by the kind friends who gathered at the dock to see us off our boat plunged almost immediately into the high seas of the channel between oahu and molokai as we passed the latter island we had a distant view of the leper colony on a triangle of level land at the foot of a precipice three thousand feet high that effectually guards the patients from the landward side At first the lepers resisted the attempt to banish them to the colony, and their relatives, who seemed to have no fear of the disease, concealed those who were afflicted. But this opposition decreased as the natives learned that the lepers were to be supported in comfort by the government. They have a school, a library, newspapers, musical instruments, a theater, even moving picture shows now, I am told. In short, everything is done to make their lives as pleasant and comfortable as possible. Mark Twain writes of a beautiful custom in the colony. Would you expect, he says, to find in that awful leper settlement a custom worthy of transplanting to your own country? When death sets open the prison door of life, there the band salutes the very soul with a burst of golden music. On this island, where the natives have retained their primitive habits and beliefs more than on the others of the group, the poison god was saved at the time the idols were destroyed a hundred years ago it was kept here in charge of kahunas until near the end of the last century and it is not definitely known whether it may not even now be in existence this hideous image seems to have had the power to kill those who handled it it has been suggested that it was made of some poisonous wood and only the priests knew how to hold it without harm the boat reeled on through another rough passage to the double island of Maui, consisting of two great mountain peaks joined by a low isthmus of lava, which, by degrees, filled up the channel between the two original islands. We made endless stops, and by means of small boats, took on and off freight, cattle and passengers, native, Chinese and Japanese. Our first landing was at Lahaina, Haina, once the capital of the group and the rendezvous for all the whaling ships in the Pacific now it is a dilapidated village attractive only for its beautiful situation at wailuku at the northern end of the isthmus was the home of father alexander well known as one of the early missionaries the name wailuku means water of destruction a great battle was fought near here by kamehameha the great unfortunately we were unable to see the ditch trail so well described by jack london or visit the famous Iao Valley, of which we had read such glowing descriptions, the entrance to this gulch is by a dark wooded gorge that broadens out into an amphitheater surrounded by precipices as lofty as those of the Yosemite. These cliffs are covered with masses of trees, shrubs, and graceful feathery ferns, which are veiled in turn by the mists from a thousand waterfalls. At the head of the valley stands the Needle, a natural watchtower of rock but green with a luxuriant vegetation, to which the defeated army retreated in the battle of the Wailuku. East Maui consists entirely of the huge extinct volcano of Haleakala, house built by the sun. This, the largest extinct volcano on the surface of the globe, lifts its enormous crater, 20 miles in circumference, to the height of 10,000 feet above the sea some titanic eruption blew off the top of the mountain and scooped it out to the depth of two thousand feet from the bottom of this vast cavity rise many cones the largest a hill of seven hundred feet and there are two great gaps in the walls through which lava flows once made their way down to the plain here and there on the desert that forms the floor of the crater are scattered clumps of silver sword with long leaves shining in the sun this plant grows only at a high altitude hunting for it is like hunting for the Edelweiss in switzerland its nearest botanical relative is found in the himalaya mountains from the highest point of the rim of haleakala these plants are said to appear about the size and brightness of silver dollars glad enough we were to land at hilo hawaiian for new moon it takes its name from the superb crescent of the bay two miles in length perhaps the most beautiful on the shores of the Pacific Ocean. At one end of the semicircle is Coconut Island, crowded with glorious palms that seem eager for the salt water, stretching their heads far out over it as if they would drink it up. As it is on the windward side of the island, the trade winds bring Hilo a yearly rainfall of 150 inches, and the result is seen in the luxuriance of the vegetation, which nearly hides the buildings of the little city in its depths with the bay in front, the dense forest belt in the rear, and the towering masses of Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa in the background, the situation of Hilo is glorious in its beauty. On the thirty-mile trail to the crater, we passed first between the breaks of cane plantations, then through a fine tropical forest. Among the trees, we could see many gay and beautiful flowers, curious fruits and enormous tree ferns, while in the interior were lovely glades and the little bungalows of the coffee planters. But the island was only just being developed, so there were numbers of ranches in the first stages of raw newness. A search through the forests on some of the islands would disclose the beautifully colored land shells. These exquisite little creatures grow on the leaves of the trees. Many of the native birds have become extinct. There were originally seventy varieties. Game birds, however, have been introduced from America and China, and from other countries both north and south, including wild turkeys, quail, pheasants, and ducks. We arrived at the crater late at night to find only a miserable hotel with a drunken proprietor. Liars had told us it was good. We were forced to pass the night there, but stayed the next day only long enough to visit the crater. Kilauea was for us a great disappointment it is not imposing in its situation, lying low on the gradual slope of Mauna Loa. We had been thrilled by pictures of the great pit of Hale Maumau, the house of everlasting fire. We had read of fountains of fire thrown a thousand feet into the air, of great fissures from which burst clouds of deadly sulfurous vapors, of indescribable terrors as huge billows of glowing lava surged against the rim of the pit, of changing colors, marvelous beauties, of ropes and serpents of cooling rock in a myriad writhing and contorted shapes, of raging floods pouring down to the plain in rivers of fire from one-half to two miles in width. But, alas, none of these wonders were for us. We saw only a far-stretching lake of cold, black lava, over which we could walk for miles, as safe as if we were at home. Out of a pit in the center rose a column of white vapor, which did not even smell infernal. Pele was sleeping. We had three days to wait in Hilo until our steamer should be ready to return to Honolulu. The hotel was a funny little one near the sea, but we were fairly comfortable and amused ourselves in various ways. For one thing, we tried several of the delicious tropical fruits that were to be had here, water lemons mangoes, papayas, mountain apples, and guavas. We went on a picnic, and someone was kind enough to lend me a riding habit and a pony that had won some races. I rode astride in native fashion. This was my first, but by no means my last experience of this most natural and comfortable mode of riding. Then I had an old native woman to lomi lomi me, Hawaiian for massage as i was very lame from my long rides and i was as much amused by her as benefited by her treatment we decided this was our opportunity to see a hula and asked the coachman at the hotel to make arrangements for us at a native house as part of the preparations he gave the performers some wine so the dance was in full swing when we arrived they had made lays which they put on us and also on themselves A fat but good-looking native woman in a Holoku danced while some others played. Another pretty native woman said she was dying to dance, but her husband, a white man, was not willing, and the last time she did it he beat her, so she did not dare to try again. It was a strange scene. The native house, the dim lights, and the wild suggestive dance the trip back to honolulu though only two hundred miles in length occupied two nights and a day of rough and tumble sailing after which we were happy to get to our bungalow and chinaman once more now the inner island boats leave honolulu twice a week for hilo and once a week for kona and kau on the lee side of the island it is quite a different trip from that in the old days on the way to hilo the first landing is usually at kawahaie an insignificant village of no interest except for the great haiau of kamehameha i the last heathen temple erected in the islands dating from seventeen ninety one it is over two hundred feet long and one hundred feet wide and the walls are twelve feet thick at the base when this temple was dedicated to the favorite war-god of the king besides vast quantities of fruit and great numbers of hogs and dogs eleven human beings were sacrificed on the altar Hilo is today a modern city of 10,000 people, and the shipping point for all the sugar raised on the windward side of the island. A breakwater, now in process of construction, will make its harbor a perfectly safe anchorage for merchant ships. One may make the entire circuit of the island by motor from Hilo. On a branch road from the highway to Kilauea is Green Lake, an emerald-tinted sheet of water occupying an old crater in the forest surrounding this lake, the rare pink begonia, an exquisite plant, used to grow, but I am told by Mr. Castle it has become extinct. Continuing to the southwest, the road passes through the district to Kau to Kona. Here, indeed, is the paradise of the Pacific. Protected from the trade winds by the huge mountain masses of Mauna Loa and Hualalai, it enjoys mild breezes from the west, which blow in from the sea all day long, would give place at sunset to a wind from the mountain that cools the night. The Hawaiians have a saying that in Kona people never die, they dry up and blow away. Daily showers towards sunset and at night keep the vegetation ever fresh and green and make this a rich agricultural region. now in Kona contains the largest of the cities of refuge, in the walls of which are stones weighing several tons raised as high as six feet from the ground. Within these massive walls were three large hay also houses for the priests and refugees. The gates were always open, and the fugitive who had crossed the threshold was absolutely safe old men women little children defeated soldiers all were received here and when once the great gods had taken them under their protection they were safe even when they returned to their homes it was on the coast of kona at kaawaloa that captain cook was killed by the natives a monument has been erected there which bears this inscription in memory of the great circumnavigator captain james Cook." R.N., who discovered these islands on the 18th of January, A.D. 1778, and fell near this spot on the 14th of February, A.D. 1779. This monument was erected in November, A.D. 1874, by some of his fellow countrymen. At Kailua, a seashore village further north, is the old palace of the Kings of the Islands. This is far from imposing in its appearance at this place one may watch a primitive method of shipping cattle with their horns tied to the side of a rowboat the poor creatures are dragged through the water to the steamer then are hoisted on board by pulleys the road passes next through the kohala district in which the town of that name is of interest as the birthplace of kamehameha the great the kohala ditch 25 miles long, brings water from the mountains to the sugar plantations 15 miles of the way through tunnels. One may leave the main road here and take a horseback ride along this ditch from which one can enjoy the magnificent scenery of the Waipio and Waimanu Valleys. Enormous gulches separated by sheer precipices hundreds of feet in height the trip to kauai the garden island from honolulu requires but a single night but is a rough passage at waimea captain cook made his first landing on the islands here too is the ruined fort built by a russian trader and over which the russian flag was raised the trip through the waimea gulch which is called a miniature grand canyon of the colorado rewards the traveller with magnificent scenery at the deepest part of the cliffs are three thousand feet high and the valley is a mile in width it is said that in the decomposing rocks the colors are as vivid as though volcanic fires were still at work on the shore at the extreme western point of the island are the barking sands a row of sand dunes the wind on the sands makes them rustle like silk to slide down them produces a sound like thunder to stamp on them makes them cry out in different cadences not far away is an old bathing beach where a bath was supposed to bring good luck at hanalei river is one of the most ancient of the deep-water fish ponds according to an old tradition this was built in a single night by menehunes a mythical race of dwarfs who were noted for their industry and mechanical skill and their feats of engineering everywhere one is struck by the preponderance of japanese among the inhabitants Since this great war broke out, Japan has taken from Germany the Ladrone Islands, just north of Guam, on the way to the Philippines. She has also taken the Marshall Islands, which bring her outposts 1,500 miles nearer to the Pacific coast of America. If we are inclined to be a bit pessimistic over the future fate of Hawaii, perhaps a piece of recent news from Nippon may encourage us. Japan has just passed a law permitting Japanese to become American citizens as nearly half the present inhabitants of the islands are japanese and four thousand japanese children are born there in a year this is an interesting consideration when difficulties between japan and america are talked of the japanese american citizens association was organized by a few japanese who are citizens by right of birth and has grown to a membership of more than fifteen hundred it takes an interest in municipal affairs, discusses the questions of the day, and teaches young Hawaiian-born Japanese the principles and duties of good citizenship. Rev. S. Sokabi of Honolulu gives its members the following advice. Hawaiian-born Japanese have a great mission today. The Japanese of Hawaii must become the Pacificators should trouble come between Japan and America. You owe it to yourselves to do this learn to be good american citizens and then you'll be able to help in case of trouble you can do more to keep peace than ambassadors and ministers if troubles should come with japan you must remember that you are the sons of the president not the sons of the emperor under the old japanese law japanese born in hawaii were still subjects of japan under the law lately enacted by the diet and house of peers of japan which went into effect june first 1, nineteen sixteen all japanese born in a foreign country have the right at the age of fifteen to decide whether they will become subjects of japan or of the country of their birth they must however first get the consent of their parents before giving up their citizenship in japan patriotic americans should no longer think of hawaii as she was eighteen years ago at the time of annexation then the japanese laborer on the sugar plantations was an alien and un-american now he is a factor and his children a greater factor in the american civilization of the pacific moreover to show how american and patriotic most of the islanders are i give an account of the celebration of washington's birthday when a splendid parade took place it included the military and naval forces of the islands as well as hawaiians chinese and japanese all helping to make it a success the native police led the procession on horseback in quick succession the troops of the cavalry rode by saluting the governor as they passed the reviewing stand the first field artillery followed with their guns then the doughboys, as the infantrymen are called, companies from the 2nd and 20th United States Infantry. After these came the bluejackets from the four United States warships lying in the harbor with their field pieces, each manned by a gun crew, then the marines and the Red Cross Brigade. The cadets of the School for Young Hawaiians and the National Guard of Hawaii presented a fine military appearance. One of King Kalakaua's descendants, Prince Kuhio, and his brother's son, Little Prince Kalakaua, were among the leaders, also the so-called island princesses, all on horseback. They were chosen to represent the five large islands and had escorts of young girls on horseback dressed in the pau, followed by some lively cowboys on ponies. Then came the floats, from which confetti were thrown. One float represented an elaborate tableau of a battle between the new Chinese Republic and the old Manchu dynasty. Some took the part of the new army with their modern uniforms, and others in the old costumes lay very realistically dead behind their guns. As evening came on, the Japanese people began to assemble in the park down in the Oriental Quarter and from there marched to the palace grounds then passed the four american battleships at the docks where they gave their bonsai for the sailors and were given in return a hearty american three cheers showing the good feeling between the two countries In view of the strategic value of the islands, which, for more than fifty years, American naval officers have endeavored to impress upon our government, it is pleasant to learn of the loyalty and wholehearted Americanism of the people of Hawaii. If Hua'u, Guam, and the Panama Canal are well fortified, and sufficient numbers of troops and warships are stationed at these posts, they will protect our Pacific coast better than any number of harbor defenses. And now, with the bonsai of these newest Americans ringing in our ears, we must say our aloha to these dream islands, almost too perfect to be real. We say farewell, but the spell of Hawaii will always be upon us. End of section seven. Recording by William Tomko.